Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds at Denver Comic-Con 2015. We hope you enjoy the following interview. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast. We are live here on the Denver Comic-Con floor. We are in the last couple of hours here. It's all coming to an end, and somehow my voice is, like, carrying through. Uh, it's, it's a blessing for sure. But I am not alone. Guys, introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, my name is Alex D'Elia, and I'm the writer of Isis the Untouchable. It's a local uh, comic we just published here. Cool. Uh, we're debuting the print issues here at the con. Awesome. Uh, my name is David Espy, and I am the illustrator of Isis the Untouchable. I also am here local in Denver. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about the book. So it's about a uh, woman named Isis Rodriguez who okay. kills her abusive husband. Fair. And discovers <laughs> that, man, she just loves to kill people. Naturally. <laughs> right. All right. Cool. And, and so for the next uh, two issues, we have three issues out so far. So after that, we follow how deep she goes into this uh, underworld. And um, in coming issues, we're going to sort of open up what's in that underworld and cool. discover that. Yeah. So how long have you guys been in comics? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, uh, this is our first official comic. And uh, the entire, I guess you could say, three years, starting from when Alex gave me a call. Uh, I was on a way to a uh, rave festival in cool. Las Vegas. And, you know, on the blue getting in there, uh, he's like, hey, man, you know, I think you have a kind of fucked up mind like I do. What do you, what do you say we make this comic? And I was all aboard from there. And hell, yeah. So about three years ago, um, we got our start officially into the world of comics. Um, but it only, at least in my case, it, uh, it feels like uh, I've only been uh, in it for really a uh, few months, like six months. Yeah, yeah. Have you always been interested in, like, did you always know you wanted to write a comic? Um, well, this started in about 2008 as, okay. a, as a screenplay I was writing. Cool. And then I, I realized that, you know, to really fully realize it, I'd need uh, about 80000 $100,000, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And uh, it would also be, like, guaranteed NC-17 rating. So. Oh, gotcha. So I started kind of reapproaching it as a comic book, and um, David used to do storyboards when we were in film school together, and so um, I just thought it would be really cool. Um, comic books are basically movies, yeah. just without the sound. Right. Mm -hmm. So you went to film school. Where'd you go? CU Denver. Cool. Cool. So you've always been into film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What are your favorite movies? Uh, I like 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, Taxi Driver. Those are usually tied for my favorite, um, but I also like... Just any kind of weird stuff, like Eraserhead. Uh, I like really, really scary horror movies, like Cannibal Holocaust and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah, Blade Runner, I think, is on my 
number one on sci-fi. Uh, Horror-wise, um, I've always loved the Halloween franchise and anything that is incredibly gory. So uh, Takashi Miike um, yeah. and Audition, I think that was my introduction to him, which was which was incredible. Yeah. Uh, thinking you're going through this kind of normal Japanese horror experience, a psychological thriller, and then all of a sudden you're uh, you're left with you know, oh, I, got, I backed into a corner and I just got to watch this torture scene. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. So, uh, cool. Yeah. What kind Stop. of movies do you watch? Man, I watch just about everything, but yeah. good question. I mean, for 200 weeks in a row now, I've watched whatever movie we're seeing that week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of action movies, a lot of, um, I mean, the things that are near the, like, nearest and dearest to my heart are going to be um, anything Coen Brothers, Fargo, mm. No Country. Nice. Um, where does the Lost Ark? Um, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about basically anything that Spielberg will do at this point, with the exception of AI, because that movie's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even then, he he can do no wrong. I mean, yeah. you can go back to it and still be like, oh well. I mean, Haley Joel Osment, you suck, but this movie <laughs> yeah. is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, you're still gonna really love it because it's you know it's basically a Kubrick film, but yeah, it's, you know, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I uh, man, any more. Sheesh. Uh, I mean, have you guys seen Mad Max yet? No, oh, we've my been God, talking yeah. about it literally uh, every minute yeah, <laughs> so since we've been here. I, the show ends early today. Pack up your shit and go see Mad Max. <laughs> I, I, what the fuck are you doing with your lives? No, absolutely. <laughs> um, if I don't, I'm, I'm just going to kill myself. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. So artistically, um, where did you... Where did you want the book to go? What was your inspiration? Um, like, how do you want the style of the art to be? Uh, oh, man. Well, we, we have a, I guess, a similar liking to 80 slasher films and just all of horror in general. And uh, we read some manga. Um, anime influence has been, you know, prevalent in my life for forever since I can kind of remember liking anything pop culture-wise. So yeah. it all kind of stems from there. But uh, when I was illustrating it, um, it and working with, I, I guess I would say, like, I, I never drew from any. Uh, I drew from films mostly, like horror mm-hmm. films, and um, uh, the first issue was like a, a, a whole two-year process of just, you know, outside of our work, um, trying to find time whenever. Right. So that, I mean, that so many influences at the time, with, whether it's in my personal life or uh, from what I've seen. Um, but I think. I guess you could say most of my, my artistic influence for, for this came from um, uh, like a lot of a lot of Mark Silvestri and mm-hmm. um, and then local artists that uh, pretty much guided my way through here. So uh, Mike Geiger, um, uh, Brett Nienberg, Nathan Storm, all these guys that work in like video game industry here in, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Williams, who did uh, his moniker is the Dark One, and he did Animal Mystic. Hmm. Um, locally here, and, uh, and it's, I mean, it's kind of it's very local to Denver. So yeah. I don't know if anyone no, if, you, if you Google them, you'll you'll be blown away by all these guys. They're they're fucking amazing. Yeah, that's, um, it's one of the things that's so cool about. Uh, oh no, you can so you can totally say fuck. It's the internet, man. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of the things that's really cool about uh, a convention like this locally is seeing all of the people uh, like you guys that are in Denver working really hard, doing something really cool, and that, you know, it gives you a place where 
you can be seen and you can also go meet a lot of these other guys in town that are doing the same thing that I don't know where else you would meet these people, right? Unless you're right. you're yeah, yeah. you're standing, you know, paying for your hold slot at the local comic shop right next to them and happen to strike up a conversation like, you know, with the exception of just general networking and happening to know a guy who knows a guy, it's this is the only place you can do this, yeah. right? Um, so it's really, it's really, really a cool opportunity for sure. Yeah, I, and I love how this convention is really, even though it's grown and it's it's huge in my opinion in, in comparison to the others. It's you know not as big, but it's so focused on comics and yeah. and local creators, um, you know, and it hasn't been, I guess, touched by the the giant tent poles, the the Hollywood right. influence. It's right. just really cool to see and be able to you know turn like us as new exhibitors turn to our next booth and oh hey you're from fort collins or you're colorado springs and i absolutely love your work and yeah genuinely they're like oh yeah me too i guess we're all here for a reason so yeah yeah it's really awesome so when you're going from doing storyboards to doing a comic what's the what are the things you have to pay a lot of attention to what's what are the hurdles that you know most people listening at home are going to go like, oh, well, they're the same freaking thing, right? And they're, they're very much not. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the talent is similar, but as far as telling a story between one to the next is actually a very different thing. So what, what are the hurdles that you ran into there? Uh, well, I guess just storyboard-wise, um, keying in on visual action. So making sure that you know, uh, this large movement, say like a, a huge kick or something, is going to translate to the next frame which is going to be either that guy getting kicked in the face or his reaction or whatever um but then um so compositionally um that that is the focus um the driving the energy uh of the frame and then now working with alex with a writer um who has he has taken that into account in his own mind when he's been writing the script and so it's translating that translating all of the other elements um and then making it look visually like maybe making making sense of it all visually so the reader's eyes aren't going cross-eyed right. and you know going retarded or anything yeah so i think that that was the biggest hurdle so when i was doing storyboards it was everything was very simplistic and it wouldn't really go further than that it's like give them that concept give them the image let them run with it um but then here it's like almost he's the storyboard artist as the writer and then I have to make sense of it all and make sense of all of his other ideas that he's put in in the script. Um, yeah, is that, is that tough while you're writing to try and figure out, you know, how am I going to, like, to try and imagine how is this going to really look on the page? How do I have to break up the, the action and the dialogue to make sure that he can fit everything in on a page and make it, and make it feel natural? Well, horror is hard to do. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> in, a, in a filmmaking medium, it's even harder to do in a comic book because um, you don't have any of the tricks. You don't have the editing. You don't have you know musical stings or anything like that. Right. So basically, when you're writing a horror comic, you kind of want to try and establish you know what are some of the most shocking things that someone would watch on pause. Mm. Making a horror comic is like making a horror movie where you're not controlling the pacing. You're not they're getting up to go to the bathroom every three seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you want, to make it, you want to make sure every panel has an image that's so striking that it sums up the whole idea of the scene. Yeah. Um, because you only have 22 pages per issue to really 
craft a story and you want a decent amount of action to happen right. and a decent cliffhanger to get people to come back to read the next one. But basically, you can get away with a lot in a comic book that you can't really do in a movie, um, especially if you're self-publishing. Yeah. You can, we can kind of go as crazy as we want. And that was something that was attractive about the medium when we started approaching it this way. Yeah. But um, are you guys, I, what, what are the difficulties of being a self-published book? Like, are you, are you looking at doing a Kickstarter? Are you looking at, like, going and trying to find some, some more funding to, to make this easier? Or, um, I mean, it would be nice. Right now we just want to make sure people know we exist. And that, true. And that yeah. this is a property that is going to be ongoing. You know, it's, this isn't just, like, something we're going to publish a collection of and be done with. Yeah. We want the story to continue as long as we can continue it. Cool. Um, Doing a Kickstarter right now seems a little premature. Hmm. Um, we'd like to get some kind of uh, recognition uh, or exposure before yeah. before we start asking people for money. But right. ideally, everything would be funded on Kickstarter, and we'd all have great creative projects we could put out. But sometimes <laughs> right. it's not always the case. It's funny because it is the thing that you know you hear a lot of people who talk about it, and a lot of people have been certainly wildly successful. But you do have to have that. It doesn't solve all the problems, right? You have to have a little bit of traction first. Yeah. You have to have something that will allow you to get out there and have enough exposure that people even know about it. Because I'm sure there are, you know, like you said, there are a lot of people out there who want this book, but if they don't know that it's out there, then they won't even find the Kickstarter, yeah. right? Um, so you do. You've got to have a little bit of traction underneath your feet first. Um, so that way, when you go to them and go like, okay, we want to go full speed now, yeah. They're, they're all going to jump on board. And Kickstarter is a great marketing platform. Yep. It's a great way to drum up attention that wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah. But I think the best projects are pretty much almost finished by the time they launch their campaign. Yeah. 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 Or at least looking to go on to that next stage. Yeah. For sure. And uh, in, in this experience, I, I think we've, uh, we've grown to just be, be enamored with the process that, you know, on our own time and on our own dime, uh, we can get this out. Um, to anyone with with general ease, just because of you know what's available online um, and locally, you know, without having to, like when we were going through film school, you basically essentially told, hey, yeah, you can make anything you want if you have a shit ton of money. Right. And, if you have uh, a red, you can make anything yeah. you want. Yeah. And so you and, know, and now and a lot of people, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, very <laughs> just, true. Very just true. asking for other people's time is such right. an such an inhibition with movie making. You know? Yep. I think when we get to the point where um, we get a response, you know, on an individual basis and, and hopefully a larger basis of, hey, man, you know, I, I really love the first three issues and we're waiting on the fourth and it's coming out. And then, you know, it, it motivates me to be like, I, I've got some free time and I've got this idea of ISIS, you know, stabbing this guy through the nose. Um, let, let me paint up a wallpaper of it and, like, give it out to someone and just content generation at at our whim, especially, um, we can solidify you know, our relationship with our fans. And that, that at that point, if we feel like they want more and other their friends would like more um, and we need more time, then, yeah, we'll go to try and use tools like Kickstarter yeah. or whatever. Very cool. Awesome. So how can, we guys be, how can people find you guys? How can they be supportive? What's the call to action? What are they supposed to do next? Um, well, they can buy the comic. We have digital copies at IsisTheUntouchable.com. Isis is spelled E-Y-E-S-I-S. Cool. Um, you could also go to the uh, publishing website at PuncturePress.com. 
Um, but right now, we're just selling our print copies. We have really limited run, so we're hoping whatever we don't sell here will be in local shops and around Denver. Cool. Um, but if there's anything left, we'll probably be selling print copies on the on those websites as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming by, guys. Thanks yeah, for having us. It's really interesting. Man. We're going to keep following you. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Love the show, too. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Real Nerds interview at Denver Comic-Con 2015, and we'll see you next year. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover, and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.